for season three of Design Thinking Games, um, we are actually trying to capitalize off a discovery we've made in season two, which is that we know how to produce a podcast fairly efficiently. So what we ended up doing being product and tech people is that we've We've modularized the entire production of the season so that we actually discover we have a lot more time available to do the things we discovered we enjoyed in season two, which was like layering in more background music, doing some different kinds of production. So with that in mind, in season three, we're kind of going ham. So the first big thing is that in season three, uh, we're an interview podcast now where I'm pretty sure in season one, we declared we would never interview another soul. Who needs that? Um, <laughs> out that like, as we started networking and meeting people that like we actually have something to learn and talking to this people that's not just kind of like UX design rehash. So being an interview podcast – that's the one part, but we don't want to be a boring interview podcast. And so um, you're going to hear like we created a game, kind of like a rapid fire game called like D12 and everyone's going to play it. Um, as part of that, we have like little segments. And um, of course, what may or may not be the best or the worst idea, uh, depending on how much work it actually takes us when we're finished with it, is uh, we jumped on the AI train and we had ChatGPT generate an audio drama script about design thinking games that we're going to serialize over the course of the podcast. Um, basically, Tim and I have chosen to become Saturday afternoon radio hosts <laughs> with with widgets and gadgets. And we have a new jingle, of course, which is something that we do every time. But this is going to be a fun season. It's time for an adventure in the worlds of user experience and game design. On Season 3 of the Design Thinking Games Podcast, join old-school UXers and aspiring game designers Michael Schofield, Tim Broadwater, and an array of quirky characters from pixelated heroes to mischievous NPCs in search of the ultimate player experience. Design thinking is a process that is applied to different types of games in this podcast. If you're wondering whether your favorite games have already come up, you can listen through the backlog at designthinkinggames.com. Now, Rapid Protobot, fire the design thinking laser. Since last we met, I have been playing... Um, so I've been kind of going back through like the back catalog. So I started with immediately with a run to beat Gabriel Knight 2, The Beast Within. We talked oh. about this in one of the prior episodes, but I really I saw that it was available on Steam for like five bucks. And so I started playing through it. I started playing through it on Twitch and like people are like, what is this weird game with like the static camera and stuff? So I had a lot of fun just kind of talking about all of that. This actually opened up like another rabbit hole where I picked up um, um, Titanic Adventure Out of Time in which you are like yeah. a British like OSS uh, I guess like spy um, after the world war and you flash back on your deathbed spoiler to when you were on the Titanic and you were looking for the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam and there are some like weird pre-World War One German shenanigans and it's a whole mystery and it's like excellent and I haven't finished it because I find it pretty difficult to beat so I've been going back kind of like through all of that stuff 
I've picked up Regency Call of Cthulhu um, after seeing like the Good Time Society like play it. Uh, I was an English major specifically in Victorian literature, and I love this whole romantic to Victorian period. And so playing like Jane Austen with eldritch stuff, like oh, we're gonna go play quadrille, but oh no, <laughs> like there the wall. There's no ending to this hallway, and if you keep walking down it, you walk through to the end of time. Um, that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure there's been like a smattering of others. We played Flourish, which is like a, um, a, I don't know, a sort of like meditative, sometimes co- competitive, but mostly cooperative gardening game. I don't really know how to describe it. The goal is to... Uh, you score points for like laying down stone paths and growing the right flowers, um, uh, and you're working with the other gardeners to get reach a high score. It's it's got a really it's a pleasant game, but it also has a really pleasant like box feel. Like the the artifacts that are inside of it are really neat, and um, and we've played that game a few times since uh, busting it open, um, and that might be like my win. Winner, uh, like my po like 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 the the winner of packs unplugged for me like after like you know months of it being in hindsight because that's the game we continued to go to nice. um, and i think that's about it i played a few things i went back and um Ella, my son and i have and, uh, and i guess my daughter uh, just recently joined and have been playing cooperative gears of war five which has a really nice like campaign we're all playing on xbox um and so that's been like kind of like a fun family event as we slaughter the horde of locusts and like saw through their guts um together (laughs) (laughs) i think since last we left off i mean twitter for me has kind of just become useless except to track the games that i like or play or beat right and so I apologize to anyone who follows me on Twitter because it's just turned into, I beat this, I beat this, I beat this. So um, in that regards, like I, in a time between the seasons, I played and beat both of the South Park video games, um, the Stick of Truth and the Fractured Butthole. And those were very fun and enjoyable. I laughed the entire time. I would highly recommend them. I know the first one was an end of life console game for the platform, but they're really good. I've been working on for years beating Nino Kuni, um, just like putting a couple hours into it every so often. It's a really long RPG, um, but I beat it amazing. Um, I beat Transformers Devastation, was great board game wise. Um, you know, I've played Burano, which is the city building and sculpt, like painting and coloring, like uh, where you're building like your neighborhood, but you want to make it as designed as possible to get the best points. A game that we've talked about a little bit is, um, I know, in just chatting back and forth with you, uh, is The Thing, which is a there's a pressure because so there's all these things like you're you're dying you're running out of food you're trying to keep the lights on but then there's also a a betrayer element because the thing not only is definitely going to be one of something you interact with or one of the players from the start but then as you get to alone as you play the game and a player is alone with another ge- player they can have a chance of turning into the thing and at the end you don't know who's the thing or not um, awesome very cool game um i'm currently playing star wars um Jedi Survivor and Ooh. I because I saw it coming out it looked really good and so I actually um, 
now before it I actually beat Fallen Order um, and I love it it's amazing I think what they're doing with the games and extending like the intellectual property and making it canon super cool uh, uh, and I would say to you like one of the best games that I actually got when we were at PAX Unplugged was um, Nexus Infernum the undead game where you make undead and I've played it it's really good that's probably the win for me um, and apart from that like I backed on Kickstarter Casting Shadows it came in that's a great game I finally beat Octopath Traveler because I wanted to play the second one um Arboretum. I know I beat Shadowgate on Switch. I've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredders, Revenge, beat that. Um, finally beat Medium. I've been telling you about Medium for years, but it's like I finally beat Medium. Yeah, Medium, I would highly suggest to you. Uh, I don't know if there's ever going to be a sequel, but it's good. As you know, we talked about it a lot last season. I beat Call to the Lamb finally. That's That was a really hard uh, roguelike game. That uh, And... Um, yeah, Kill Unicorns. I know I played that. And then I think the last thing we talked about, Devil and Me was probably the biggest one, right? Because we built that in the offseason. But honestly, a bunch. The Thief is a Dungeons & Dragons actual play with just one player, CC Way. Getting more information, I think, is pretty safe. And I can't let Osmond rot. And a full cast of NPCs, supported with soundscapes. This isn't some pickpocket or killer or slumlord. These are important people. These are the kinds of people who, if they get your name, you cannot evade. The original world is grim, and it is unlikely the thief will survive. Created by Michael Schofield. Listen for The Thief, an audio drama. Anywhere you find podcasts and on the web at thiefpodcast.com. just played a horror movie called the devil and me how many survived for you because all my died except the dog (laughs) we have a history of just playing all of these super massive games the the quarry all of the dark pictures anthologies and while during our off season a new one dropped the devil and me so we played it and we have to talk about it this is uh it's one of the best parts of these kinds of like point and click adventure games is like kind of a hallway conversation. So to your question, I survived with four out of five. Um, and maybe a plus one because and I didn't know that I, the dog, the dog survived. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so the devil and me is, uh, you're, you're people, you're part of a film crew and you are trapped in basically a kill house with a serial killer who has invested a great deal of capital into being able to rig rooms to close and have all sorts of different like 
um, traps and stuff in there. Very inspired by the turn of the century serial killer H.H. Holmes. That's not a spoiler. You can see this probably from any of the trailers. Um, and then, like any other of these dark picture picture anthologies games, you survive. You make you maintain your friendships as best you can. This uh, strange like Undertaker narrator, uh, the curator character, either chastises you or gives you hints uh, and watches bemused uh, as you kill or. Uh, preserve the people you're responsible for and it's like any other of the other dark pictures anthology games it's a brand new story you know in the first five minutes is like holy shit this is a serial killer <laughs> this is a serial killer kind of murder mysteries or not murder mystery but a survival kind of thing and that just continues in the second part of the game too and i also I know that we were talking back and forth as we were playing this. You said it was your least favorite. I actually thought as if you describe it very basely as not a story, but just as like survive a horror movie kind of experience, which I thought it was very, you know, kind of, uh, it was very that, then I actually kind of enjoyed it because I was like, okay, maybe four, six hours in total. We'll see what happens. I'm not totally invested about, I'll try to find stuff and think things, but I'm not going to get worried if someone dies and just kind of ride the roller coaster. That's how I kind of approached it. Yeah, I, uh, um, I'm pretty concerned about keeping everybody alive. It is important to me that I discover everything, oh. and that I um, and that everybody survives as much as possible. Um, my, yeah, like within the first couple of hours, I think I described to you that like I was having a hard time feeling hooked. Like I did not have like the hooks of the story in me. But I admit, like as I got. It took me maybe half the game, but by the time um, I, like, by the time all like all the stakes had been raised, like I was really enjoying it. I thought the story turned out to be great. I enjoyed the mystery of um, the the big bad. I enjoyed the characters. Um, I I liked it kind of. I liked all of it. And in fact, there there are a few new gameplay elements here. Maybe they're not new, but I don't remember the prior Dark Picture Anthology games doing this, where each character, because they were part of a film crew, had like a different device. No, you were right. That is very new. That was super cool, too. I liked it. It's like, oh, wait. So you just took a pick a path story and then you added that dynamic of carrying objects around? That was, that's really interesting. That's, yeah, they're, well, and, and like um, a couple, one of them was like a sound assistant. And this is my favorite character, this Erin. Um, and she didn't have, you know, like someone had like a camera. Um, I like had, the actual thing. That, uh, one good dude had a credit card he could use to f- break, a, yeah. flip and open locks. Someone else had something where she could repair electric um, boxes, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so it all felt kind of like uh, like coherent, um, and it gave each player or like each character like a slightly different feel. Um, I really liked um, that uh, the what's it called? It's um, 
It's like a microphone, but it's like a targeted mic or like a laser yeah, mic I or know. something like that. Yeah, I know. I don't that. know the name of it, but um, yeah. But where you can point in direction and really pick up like audio from a distance. That I was think. the creepiest part of the whole game to me. Is when 100%. you were her, and then you're just walking around and you're hearing all these crazy noises, and you keep walking, and then the lights go out, and you're like, oh yeah. shit, and you're continuing to walk around, and then you're like, hold on, and you look back and you start to realize the rooms are changing, the halls are yeah. changing. Um, and then it's like a total freak out experience. I thought that was very well, like that was like one of the creepiest parts of the game to me. With this, with the added like amplified sound and the fact that that character yeah. had um, like a, like an as like an I had asthma, like oh, yeah. her heavy breathing, the heartbeat, all the sounds you could hear through through the walls, which I thought was scary because like this mic would pick up sounds that are spooky but you can't see them right and they're, yeah. and they're you know and so i thought they did like a really great job there i yeah, i wish they would have much like a horror movie to me than a game yeah. like honestly more like a horror see, movie as possible you know what i mean i think that's probably right i now one thing i don't know have you these dark picture picture anthologies always um offer you an opportunity to play with friends like a cinematic mode have you no, ever do done it. that i have not i'm i know people who've done it too locally like there were two friends on a couch and they just chose different things for different yeah. you know points but apart from that kind of hard to get a lot of people in the same chunk of time to be able to do that i mean i i don't foresee it would be cool but i i'm not going to actively look to set it up in my life you know so but i also like that the apart from that feature they always plug in like well if you at least beat the game or die or all your characters die like mine did essentially except the dog because the dog can die so um there's uh you you the least you get is um the trailer for the next game and the yeah. next game seems to be if you've seen it and you've beat it it's a space story it's a, yeah. uh, like a drama in space or something yeah it looks really cool uh, uh, it's like a science fiction because they're going out to like yeah. how city i bet it's going to be like an alien um yeah because because you, you you made the point that this is very cinematic and i and i i think in hindsight each one was more cinematic than the other house of ashes did the thing where it was you were in totally different like locales um, and well, the replayability yeah. of house of ashes now this is one thing i haven't tried with uh, devil and me but house of ashes did something new where you could replay on your new game plus you could pick different characters to start with um yeah, so story-wise, so, if you start to talk about it's like the American Horror Story season conversation, right? Yeah. If you look at this, um, and I have not played five, which is the new and which is the sci-fi space drama we're talking about that just got trailered, um, but this one to me felt emotionally a lot like two like it felt like little hope it felt like i'm playing a horror movie now one's a supernatural horror like ghost kind of town haunted thing right and this is like a murder house like you said it is like this person who builds contraptions and yeah um, but the feel was that i felt like i was playing a horror film like now the first one with the boat and then the third one which was more like an action i would say like a third one was definitely action like a like a survival horror like yeah a, it was like 90s uh, horror to me like like this is like anaconda or like this is just like you know it kind of felt like holes. okay yeah. there's a there's a demon in a temple and a military swat force gets you know in and yeah but yeah 
but I guess it's a different maybe it's just what's appealing to me is Haunted Town and um, Serial Killer um, where it's a different flavor I guess each chapter because we'll see with the space one the one thing that's like um, so on finishing it like we we've been talking over the prior three games about like what is the like the the through line like is is this part of like a shared universe and i actually kind of emerged from this one thinking no um oh because i thought did you yeah. see the thing where the thing pounded on the death's door the curator's yes. door that was that was baffling i i'm curious what you think like what the whole like like what's your theory for like the there's a theory that i have and it's not substantiated in any way it's just because American Gods is so popular right now and like Neil Gaiman and his um, The Sandman which I don't know if you know much about it but it's like there's different deities there's like dream and there's death and there's desire and despair and you know and it just makes me feel like season two starts off with a space sci-fi drama right and something in the we've never seen another living anything in the world of the curator and so it's like if he's a deity then it's like that so oh there you go the sandman yeah i have all the legendary editions of the sandman like the leather bound cases (laughs) so nice depending on your discovery throughout the uh, games you you would either end up in a story that was truly supernatural or you understand the practical rationale behind it now in house of ashes that wasn't the case there were vampires in those caves as far as well so we're going through levels of rationality right the first one is like oh this is a mind-altering substance the second one is is like this is a psychological condition like someone's schizophrenic or whatever Uh, the third one is like aliens and then like the fourth one is is like um uh it's just a serial killer fan of a serial killer you know did um let me um yeah he's a fan of a serial killer with multiple personalities right or 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 uh, many assumed masks that he wears to be literal now i feel like i got like a b plus on the game like whereas you i think just like d minus <laughs> you made definitely, it to the end. <laughs> i definitely got the dog out so i was a d minus <laughs> at the end i think my people successfully killed the serial killer at the end of the credits he still grabs the mask though <laughs> I know. Or they say, so like, is it him or is it someone else grabbing the mask? They, they they were pretty sure. Like people were starting to ask like during – like the characters were asking themselves like, is this – this is too much for one person. So there has if to you be look multiple. at American Horror Story and they do like Murder House and then Asylum and then they do Coven and then Freak yeah. Show and Apocalypse. I mean they have character returns and revisits of stories. And so the only reason I'm saying is I agree with you. It's kind of getting harder to see the connections in between. And so my my th- the first three are obviously connected because they draw a line to one another. And none of the clues that I found in Devil and Me did I find any connections to the three previous games. Now, there was one yeah. point where they were talking about a ship. And I was like, was that ship the name of the ship? That's, But I don't, I don't know if that's – I can't remember. So – 
I, I want to play through it because I, I think there's a possibility that there were like a whole bunch of mind-altering substances in the murder house. And the other thing that occurs to me, like the only way I could see this having like a through line toward the end is that um, in the next game, which I might have mistaken, but they said the premiere of season two is the next game. Correct. Um, season two, the space one. Yeah. Like, I wonder if like the space one. Um, uh, it's the future they, of some they of these fuck with, They fuck with something in like the Tau Ceti cluster, right? And it really is like a whole like alien or or there's a multi-dimensional shift or something. But I, I'm starting yeah. to withdraw from the idea that these are Yeah, connected, I'm now starting know? on the fourth one, dude. You can't help to do this if you're a UX person um, or maybe even a game designer. I don't think you can help this if you're a UX person or a game person, if you think that way, um, that way analytically or interactively. And so I think of the dark picture games as like a product line now and a product that was like, dude, you've got people choosing stories, replaying, playing with friends. It's a movie-like experience. You can tell different scary, spooky stories and have different things going on. Um, and people, I think, are here for it. They love it, you know? And so they want to know what the different stories are and they want to know how they messed up. And some people want to replay, but other people will play it once. And, you know, so I th- I'm a fan of the product line. I will say it that way. I agree. Yeah, and the things they did in this game, which I hope they continue to like lean in on, are giving each character like a different feel to them, like giving them actual different devices. I do wish they would have leaned on that more. For, for instance, the idea with uh, Charlie and his um, ability to pick a lock with his credit card, how cool would it be that you could revisit different locales as Charlie and discover even more things. Um, so I think there's like a real opportunity there um, that uh, that I kind of hope they lean in on. I liked it a lot. I thought their, I do want to like say that I thought their design choice and how they presented quick time events this time around, um, which I guess I don't really recall if they were much different, but this is the first time I played it on a PC instead of a console and like man like i thought the quick time event like design uh sucked like i had a i had a hard time distinguishing right click from left click right like like um and there, there were it was like a buggy experience for me where you would hear the prompt of the but like there was nothing on no visual so like for me it's always weird because it's the playstation so it always pops up as either is it square triangle circle or x and so you have to like guess at the last minute and hit the right one and so they change it up like that and it's like what the fuck and it's based on like if you're dodging left or right or sometimes it's the reverse and it's like so it's not i think their answer from a dev standpoint would be like well that's why we have the easy mode as well as the (laughs) probably would be uh, (laughs) i guess yeah but when it's like the death of a character based on it like all my characters died like really badly so yeah Alright, how do you play? I'm going to give you three nouns. And you have to pick which you're going to fuck, marry, or kill. Okay, I'm game. Let's play. Okay, agile methodology, waterfall, or lean? I don't know what those are. 
UX FMK is the hottest UX book on this side of the internet. Tim Broadwater, our very own certified UX unicorn, takes the all too familiar premise of the original FMK game and wrote a book that invites you to take a deep dive into UX, what doesn't work, and how royally things can be screwed up. Listen on Audible or pick up UXFMK anywhere books are sold, but especially Amazon. maybe with the history of the challenge, right? So ah, season yes. one, you challenged me to play Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And then in the time <laughs> of the whole season, I went through the first game and then sped through the second game. Um, but but played it, legitimately played the whole game, both one and two. And... Uh, and we talked about it at the end of season one. I'm glad I did. Um, I actually have now realized um, some things that I now enjoy that came from that genre of game. Oh, interesting. If Yeah, not playing. And then I actually kind of trend on the side of uh, sci-fi a little bit anyways, because as you know, I like Event Horizon. Yeah. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, I mean, not Event Horizon. <laughs> I do like Event Horizon, the horror movie, Hellraiser sure. in Space. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but I also love Tears of the Kingdom, as well as um, kind of Skyward Sword and like Breath of the Wild and Zelda. And I don't know if you know that, but that's like high fantasy sci-fi. Yeah. Um, it's kind of more like Thundar the Barbarian, uh, you know, sci-fi fantasy. or um, And so I love it. And then... That was season one. Well, yeah, in season two, we flipped the script a little bit, realizing that this was a thing that we were, we were going to keep doing, and you challenged me to play Moonlighter. Moonlighter is a roguelike... Um, it ended up being a, a quite like charming game. But there's something that I wouldn't even like look at, let alone like invest my time in. And it was hard and it required a different kind of skill set and different kind of like muscle, like gaming muscle that I usually um, don't use. Um, and so I played that and I beat that and I came out of the, the season or the I came out of season two with a whole new respect for that style of games and now it's something that like steam recommends to me because i ranked it so highly it was a great game great story too a story a story i didn't actually expect to give a shit about i think we even mentioned it the last season in season two that we we should definitely i think we actually recorded it and it was in the last episode that we should uh like both do something in season three yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing. A new game emerged that, you know, over the course of our journey together, we identify as one that is squarely in both of our wheelhouses. Yeah. Um, and for season three, we are uh, both going to play, maybe 
beat, if beat is a thing you can do, the Outlast Trials. TLDR is that this is a, it's not quite a sequel, but this is a MOBA in the style of maybe like Dead by Daylight or Friday the 13th, set in the world of Outlast, which Tim and I both beat in our prior video gaming lives. And Outlast went viral back in the yeah like the the early days of streaming actually of streaming for being just terrifying like and people watching I, it yeah. and not even playing the game but only people watching other people play the game and freaking out yeah it wouldn't even be like a like a, a video capture of like what was on the screen but it was usually in my memory night vision <laughs> like uh titans on the the observer's face while they freaked out and got scared um and i think outlast was a uh, kind of like occupied a special place i really liked it compared to some of the other things that have come out because it's not a game that you can fight your way through and that's a constraint that really appealed to me we actually we had a we talked about this i think it was in season one maybe to where we actually said you know uh you know the scary part of it is that all you can do is run and hide you there is no fighting back right and so that is a huge creep factor when you start giving people guns like resident evil right and you start giving people weapons and things then you can it kind of changes the dynamic but here we've talked about how games really restrict some of your interactions or concepts or mechanics to make it harder and that's what outlast does and i um i've played the first i played them in the the release order not the chronological order right oh yeah 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 so i played outlast and then i played um the sequel to it outlast 2 and then i played whistleblower which i think whistleblower was the prequel prequel, that came before um outlast and then this um outlast trials to the best of my understanding um it is a prequel to even that and i um knowing we were going to do this i went ahead and downloaded it and i'm in the i got through the tutorial and i played one online game so far Oh, oh, you already beat me. No, I bought it. I have it downloaded. Um, but all I've done is like read the synopsis, watch the trailers and look at screenshots. So you're already like a leg deep. Um, but I think you're totally right because it takes place during the Cold War um, or in that kind of like time frame. Yeah. And you are one of the many subjects of kind of like the mad doctor of the asylum there. Murkoff? Yeah, so there's a you're right, and not and I don't think this gives away anything because this is in the trailer, kind of I think, yeah, yeah, as well as like the um, the uh, tutorial is that it is that time period. This is when the mad military science happening at uh, mental institutions is a thing, and uh, and uh, the people who are pulled in who were you know at an outlast you are 
an investigator going in like you're a reporter the sequel you're like a husband and wife kind of thing and then out loud whistleblower um you're an inside employee who's trying to get word outside of what's happened and you're getting the reporter in the first one so it's kind of a closed loop right yeah um, so in this one you are homeless people um communists <laughs> hippies like people who would be put into prison like in the 50s or 40s uh, um and those and those people are recruited against their will and then they're put through these stressed the first version of what we uh, so this game the outlast trials literally is the first trials of to of this kind of human experimentation what can we do what can we yeah um what can people survive you know that kind of thing from what i understand like so i haven't played it but from what from what i understand kind of like the ethic of the game where you can hide you can evade maybe you can slow the bad guy down but it's not like you're going to do a lot of fighting back um has been um is kind of like a, the defining feature of this game. This is actually kind of similar, I, I, I imagine, because I don't play like a ton of these, but like when you're, you know, when you're one of the uh, campers in Friday the 13th or you're one of the people in Dead by Daylight, you can't really fight back against the big bad. Yeah. Can I ask, are players, like human players, the kind of like the, the antagonists or the bad guys or is it no, all so you're like it's kind of like you're in squads of four so think of oh, it like awesome. weird science um gladiator ring or maybe yeah. even like hypercube or like the movie cube sci-fi movie so it's like four of you are you're all patients that are trapped in this facility yeah. and you basically to get better rights as a or better living conditions as a mental patient you have to do this stuff to get food and to get better clothes and a room and and so they truly treat it to where like um you're prisoners you know what i mean and then you have to kind of go in and with uh you're going in with other people two to four um people and uh you are trying to do these together so you're also that's the level of complexity that's really interesting because you've played outlast i've played outlast you can only run you can only hide and it's crazy right um and now it's like okay now what if there's four of you in the same situation but you're trying to accomplish something um you can be killed half your team your whole team can be killed you know what i mean there's someone can hide there so it's basically adding the moba agency and kind of experience over top of outlast i have not experimented with any of the chat because i don't know i think it has its like alien um fire team and uh friday the 13th um it has chat built into it like uh, audio chat um not like dbd where people get on discord and kind of cheat (laughs) you know they do kind of cheat you know (laughs) but yeah that's cool because like i i like the idea that if they do it right then you you and i might be like on one side of the room 
each hiding and we can't we can't communicate right because if we speak up we could be heard i'm look what are the parameters of this challenge is our goal to defeat like so there's like kind of like a main storyline and then there's a whole bunch of uh um uh there's like a circumference of different like challenges and stuff should we should we go hard and say like we're going to try to compete to the main storyline and i say this without knowing exactly how deep it is <laughs> like, yeah, so the beautiful thing to my understanding is is you're still going to beat the game that's it yeah, yeah and so you can do this as solo or you can play it online with other people but there's still x chapters to Got the you. story and so the chapters can just be played solo or online so kind of gives us the increased difficulty by doing it online um or increased creepiness by doing it solo so it's kind of we should uh, we, we should we, the other thing we should do with this just like to just to put it in the world is like we should totally stream this together we're not streamers we don't like have like streamer followings or whatever nothing but like that yeah we, if we articulate it into the into the ether then we have to make it so but it would be cool if we played it online and put that up for recording and at least shared it out at some point like, even if it gets reduced down to a blooper <laughs> reel of just like oh fuck shit oh god you know <laughs> awesome man well i'm excited to play this we'll be reporting in throughout the course of the season um and uh if you guys follow us in various socials you might see us complaining or celebrating this game as we go but being a challenge if this turns out like it sucks it doesn't matter we're gonna beat the game <laughs> Yeah, that's the I've um, there's parts of Outlast that I've had to play many times because I didn't yeah, yeah. know what to do. And it was so difficult. Um, and then I feel like you can always run and hide and you have to wait and then you can kind of try again. But yeah. um, so there's probably going to be a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. As the listeners may know, last year, you know, for, we were doing a Patreon, and if you supported us on Patreon, you got the episodes ad-free and you know, early, which was cool. Anyone who's been like listening with us from season one and who will enjoy season three know that we are iterating a lot. And one of the big things we're iterating on is like what we're spending time on. There's probably like a whole interesting episode or like side thing about like why we chose to back off Patreon, but we backed off Patreon. We would love it if people would donate to us. Please head over there and support us if you like. We're going to put some content and stuff there, but it's not going to be exclusive. Welcome to the Design Thinking Games Conference, where games of all types are carefully prototyped and designed for the maximum player experience. Man, it's been a hell of a trek to get here. Hold on, little guy. You'll have your time to shine. 
you're the big reveal. You think Rapid Protobot is ready? We playtested the heck out of it. <laughs> we need to do more playtesting around stealth, I guess. <laughs> Alright, there's our booth. Let's set up. Design Thinking LARPing is a story about heroism. The script is written by a poorly trained AI, and it is performed by your poorly trained heroes. Enjoy! Thank you for joining us at the Design Thinking Games booth! <laughs> we know how hard it is to write good instructions to really understand what makes an optimal player experience, and we are finally ready to reveal what three seasons of this shit has taught us. Go on. Introduce yourself. I am Rapid Protobot. How may I help prototype? This is really, and I mean really fascinating, but... What does that actually do? I help design infallible playtests. You can develop your game in one half of the time. Will it destroy us? Destroy. No! Destroy. Uh, good one. It was joking, right? What about LARPs? You know, a live action role play? You know, uh... Can your robot help us playtest these? You know, LARPs aren't real. That is what you think, design thinking games. <laughs> That is what you only wish were true. LARPs are very, very real, and you're about to find out just how real they are. I don't know. What's happened? I don't know. This is, I, I can't see anything in the chaos. Find out in the next episode of Design Thinking Games the fate of our heroes, Tim, Michael, and, of course, Rapid Protobot, the most delightful of the three. This story continues. Thank you for listening and connecting with Design Thinking Games on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. You can also check out designthinkinggames.com to request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on. Any final thoughts for our listeners, Rapid Protobot? Destroy. Destroy.